0: Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to the 68th edition of the Digital Edge, Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, President of Sensei Enterprises.
2: And I'm Jim Calloway, Director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is How People Search for Lawyers, the Consumer Law Revolution. Sharon and I are happy to welcome as our guest Stephanie Kimbrough, who is a member of Burton Law LLC, a virtual law firm in North Carolina, District of Columbia, and Ohio. She's the author of Virtual Law Practice, Limited Scope Legal Services, and Consumer Law Revolution, The Lawyer's Guide to Online Marketing Tools. Welcome, Stephanie.
3: Thank you for having me. Well, Stephanie,
1: I'm always excited when we get one of your new books, because unlike so many books, it's not just fluff and stuff. You always have a lot of really solid information. So first, congratulations on the publication of your new book. Thank you. The premise in this book is is that consumers are usually using branded networks these days in order to find a lawyer, and that's a new thought for many lawyers. How do you define a branded network?
3: Well, a branded network is a non-lawyer-owned legal service company that has created its own brand and puts a lot of its marketing effort and money into that brand. And they market their online legal services directly to consumers. And they also cultivate a lawyer network. And they have some kind of marketing tool, a way to match up the lawyer with the consumer that's coming to their brand.
2: Stephanie, what are some of the online marketing tools that these companies offer to lawyers who join their network?
3: Well, most of them are the traditional. Um, most of them include the traditional Q and A, lawyer Q and A, or forums and lawyer directories. Those have been around for as long, you know, maybe five, ten years. We've had lawyer directories like Lawyers.com, FindLaw.com, Nolo Law. Those are some that most people are familiar with. And so, a lot of these companies, these branded networks, have those basic standard tools. But now, a lot of them are adding technology platforms that provide other ways for lawyers to connect with and communicate with the consumer. So, for example, some of them have matching tools where the consumer can go in and put what's most important to them about finding a lawyer. So, not just jurisdiction and practice area, but also price point, how much it costs. They can go through web advisors to kind of guide the consumer through their Potential legal needs, so that they can really carefully match them up with the lawyers on the network. And then for the lawyers, they're providing ways for lawyers to communicate with the consumers once they're matched. So sometimes that's video conferencing tools. Sometimes it's an entire online platform for communication where they can have discussions with the prospective client, where they can um, exchange you know pricing information and kind of go through that vetting process before there's an actual establishment of the attorney-client relationship. And some of them are incorporating document automation and assembly tools as well so that the consumer can go on to the site and go through the doc automation assembly process, create a legal form, and either purchase it outright from the branded network and go on their way, or they can then take that form that they've purchased from the company and match up with a lawyer on the network with that legal document in hand, and then the lawyer can take it, guide them through the rest of the process, help them with any additional drafting of it, kind of take it from there. So there are a lot of different tools evolving within these branded networks.
1: I'm kind of guessing that there are certain practice areas and, and types of clients that work best using these online marketing tools. What can you tell us about that?
3: Most of these online marketing tools involve the delivery of unbundled legal services, and there are certain practice areas, mostly um, transactions-based, that work best with that. So what we're seeing in terms of the branded networks that are, you know, growing are in the areas of family law, um, so no contest divorces, uh, estate planning, uh, the, uh, small business setup, corporations. So anything that's really transactions-based, like a lot of those legal practice areas are. Are ending up in the branded networks. So a lot of the legal tech startups that are branded networks are focusing on entrepreneurs and small business law. But there are certain practice areas that this this is not going to work with. So if you do criminal law, criminal defense, <laughs> um, anything where you need you know consistent, ongoing, full service representation, um, it's probably not going to be appropriate to try, you can connect with the clients using these tools, definitely, but you're going to have to push that work to a full-service traditional law firm.
2: How would a lawyer choose which branded network would be best for their practice?
3: They would have to know what type of clients they have, um, what their target client base is, and what services their client's going to be most comfortable using, and they have to think about their own practice and what they're most comfortable using. So some lawyers communicate effectively using video conferencing tools, so they might want to sign up for one of the networks that focuses on that. Others may be more interested in the doc automation assembly tools because they do you know, estate planning and, and, and some of those tools work better for, for the unbundled wills or living wills or medical directives that they want to provide to future clients. So I think you just have to think in terms of your overall online marketing strategy. Which ones do I want to focus on the most? But also, some of these companies are really only marketing direct-to-consumer in certain states. So right now, for example, the majority of these branded networks are out in California. So they're putting a lot of their emphasis in their marketing on California clients and building their lawyer network in California or New York or Texas, the bigger states. But right now, it's free to join a lot of these branded networks to become a part of the the network with the other lawyers, but they're not necessarily marketing to consumers in all the jurisdictions. So it may not be worth your time, in other words, to join some of these, put a lot Mm -hmm. of effort into the Q&A, you know, and add content to them. Um, You may not see a lot of return on investment for your time just because the company is not putting their marketing dollars into your particular jurisdiction. Same thing with practice area right now. Again, they're just focusing a lot of them on entrepreneurs or small business law. Um, in other areas, it's estate planning or immigration. Um, so it just depends. You have to think about your practice area and, and where you're located, and what's going to be the most effective use of your time.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, the overall lawyer marketing strategy, and of course, that consists of a lot of things. how How much would you put? How much effort would you put here? What's the most effective use of it? Um, you said a lot of them don't have, they don't cost anything right now, but some of them are going to start charging. And how would you fit this into an overall marketing strategy?
3: I think it depends on a couple of things. It depends on your current structure of delivery. So if you are a solo practitioner or a small firm, and you are trying to get involved in online advertising methods, I strongly think you need to start learning how to collaborate and work with branded networks because of the way the internet works. And I I found this in my own virtual office. You know, seven years ago when I started it, it was much easier for me to go online and do online marketing. I I could build organic SEO. (laughs) (laughs) I could, um, you know, have a much broader reach. But as a lot of these online branded networks as the number keeps growing, it became harder and harder for me to compete with them, especially so as a small firms, You don't have the advertising budget to put into Google AdWords and SEO for your site like these companies have. Instead, what I'm saying in the book is team up with them, take advantage of their marketing strong arm on the internet, the way it works. And I think for the solos and small firms, especially who don't have those marketing budgets, it's going to be important to make that a large part of your marketing strategy, to team up with them and generate content on your own site. And I talk about that some in the book, you know, how to put together this strategy. So focus on the content creation on your own website, your own blog, push it out into social media, and then share it in addition on these branded network sites, on your profiles on there it's just going to get you a much broader reach and, and hopefully connect you directly with some prospective clients. For medium to larger sized firms, there are other online marketing methods that I cover in the book, like performance-based marketing or pay-per-lead, lead-gen marketing solution. Um, like Total Attorneys has a high-performance marketing and Avvo has an Ignite product that are much more targeted. So you spend like $70 to $100 per lead and they actually send you hot leads, and those people are just ready to be converted to, you know, paying clients. So there's a difference there between just joining a network and actually paying for the leads through one of these tools.
2: Stephanie, are there different categories of the branded networks, and how would those differences make a difference to lawyers determining which one to use?
3: There are different categories of branded networks in terms of how they they classify themselves or, or tend to focus their online marketing tools. So there are the ones that are more Q&A, forum, directories, and I split these up in the book into categories. And those are the ones you're more probably most people are familiar with. There are some that are focused on content sharing, so like JD Supra, where you're putting into your profile documents and pleadings and published articles, blog posts that you want to share with people. There are the category of ones that create almost virtual law office platform for attorneys and their networks to deliver services. And there are the ones that are more matching services. So they're focused on comparison shopping for the consumer to go in and compare prices. So like attorneyfee.com or Spunkle, where there's law, lawyer bidding services. So that, that's kind of broadly how I break them out into different categories.
1: Well, thanks, Steph. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network.
0: Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.
1: Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking to Stephanie Kimbrough, a noted lawyer and author, about the consumer revolution and finding lawyers through branded networks. Stephanie, I'm a real bugaboo about terms of use, as you know, because so few lawyers read them and they step in it when they don't. You bet. So tell us what a lawyer should look for in the terms of use for these companies.
3: I went through and I read the terms of use uh, for each of the branded networks that I reviewed. Interestingly enough, sometimes there would be different terms of use for the lawyer and different terms of use for the consumer. And sometimes the companies would combine the terms of use into one agreement. So it was kind of tricky in terms of finding um, how they differed and which one you know, the lawyer should pay attention to. Or they should pay attention to both, Was my conclusion. But the things you want to look for in the terms of use, you want to understand the, how the relationship goes between the consumer and the company. So how the payment is structured, especially that the lawyer can make sure there's no um, fee splitting involved and they can make sure that all the disclaimers are there so that the site is saying, you know, I'm a third party neutral and that the branded network is not engaging in the practice of law. So the consumer is real clear that there's no attorney-client relationship established until they start working with that lawyer, that the company itself, the branded network, does not have the ability to establish that attorney-client relationship through any of their process online. That's key. Also making sure that the company that you're using is PCI compliant if they're taking the consumers or your credit card information, um, that they're in compliance with all federal laws and regulations regarding that, regarding security of the site. There's some issues about the company's retaining some of the data that the consumer puts into the technology platform that they're letting the lawyer join onto to communicate with the client. So is that space secure? How is the, very similar to the best practices for virtual law practice and online delivery. How is it being encrypted? How is it being stored? How can the lawyer and the client get that data back out from the company, from that platform? Privacy policy, you want to make sure there's a privacy policy um, either outside of the terms of use or incorporated in the terms of use. I like to see a statement about unbundling in the terms of use that explains to the consumer the nature of unbundled services, that if they work with the lawyer, you know, this communication is not full service. It has to be taken off of the platform, and that process has to be handled outside. So some type of explanation of that. I think those are the most of the terms of use uh, that I can think of.
2: That's a great set of best practices, Stephanie. Are there any other best practices that a lawyer should engage in when joining the Lawyer Network?
3: Yes. Have in place a strong limited scope engagement agreement and process so that when a client does contact you through that online marketing tool, that the lawyer knows how, to, how they're going to proceed from there. So some of the companies will set it up so that the consumer will choose between, let's say, two or three lawyers within their jurisdiction and practice area that they think they might want to work with. And then they can contact those lawyers directly. Usually it's via email. And then the lawyer has to have a process in place for communicating with those clients promptly. You're providing, yes, this is how much I will charge for this. This is my limited scope engagement agreement. So just setting up that process, when you join one of these networks, this is how I'm going to engage with the clients when they come to me. Another thing I found, and I'll admit this, it's a little embarrassing, but there are so many of these branded networks out there and directories. And I think what happens is sometimes lawyers sign up for them and totally forget that they've created a profile. And I, as I was going through all of these, I went back to one that was I must have signed up for it seven years ago when I first went out to solo practices, one of the oldest lawyer um, Q&A sites directories, and I had never actually used it. I just was curious and signed up for it. had forgotten about it and discovered it in writing the book, went back and found that my contact information on the profile had never been updated because I had forgotten about it. Um, so in the book, one of the things I recommend is that If you go through this and you start researching these and you do what I did where you're going in and you're experimenting with them to see if you want to work on it or not, you're reading the terms of use, create like a spreadsheet that says which ones you've signed up for so that you don't forget because it's so easy to create these profiles. And then they're considered a form of lawyer advertising. So you need to go back in and keep them updated, make sure that if you delete it, that these companies let you delete your profiles. I ran into one that would not let me delete my profile manually. I had to talk to a representative before they would delete it. So that's, you know, another thing that you want to look for. But keep a list of the ones you sign up for, when you signed up for them, and when you last updated it. And if you're going to do this type of collaboration with these networks, I think you have to stay up on on every one of your profiles.
1: Yeah, and that can be quite a Herculean task, I'm sure. So I'm already hearing ethical problems. And I know when I saw that LawZoom or one of these companies was offering video conferencing with prospective clients, I went, holy cow, because I can only imagine some of the ethical mishaps that will happen in, in live video conferencing with a prospective client. But what can you tell us, Stephanie, about ethics risks other than the ones you have already mentioned that might come up with lawyers who use these marketing tools?
3: I think most of the, um, the ethics risks that are going to come up are actually in fall within the adver, lawyer advertising rules. So model rule 7.1 through 7.5. I think the biggest one is 7.1, which is false or misleading. You should not use false or misleading um, information in any advertising. And so with a lot of these lawyer profiles, in order to compete with all the other lawyers on the directories of the site, you know, some lawyers may be tempted to sort of puff up their profiles with information that's misleading. So maybe you know, avoid saying that you're specialized or certified. Pretty much anything that you wouldn't do in a traditional ad, you wouldn't do in one of the profiles on these branded networks. Any engagement that you do in terms of the, the lawyer Q&A site, in your signature, for example, for any responses in a forum, you want to make sure that it has the disclaimer that this is not, you know, specific legal advice. You need to seek the advice of a lawyer within your jurisdiction. That, that traditional disclaimer needs to be there if you're going to be doing that type of content. So I think, yeah, most of the advert lawyer advertising rules are where the ethics risks end up falling. And then also the payment process. For these companies, you have to make sure that if they're taking a fee for you to use the network, that, you don't, that they're not taking that out of the money that the client is paying to you. There can be no fee splitting. So just understanding, you know, if you're paying per lead, that's the reasonable cost of advertising, but it can't be out of any kind of payment. Like some of the, some of the companies are proposing to take, for example, you know, a credit card from the client. And just like escrow.com or elance.com, sort of as a, a security, so the lawyer knows, well, this client's going to be serious. They're, going, you know, they're really serious and working. They're just not going to try and get some free legal advice. It could be a real prospective client that pans out. So in taking that credit card, you know, make sure the company is not taking funds from the credit card that would be the cost of the legal services. Ethics issues like that come up. Um, other ethics issues would fall under some of the unbundling ethics issues that would come up with, you know, whether it's ethical or not to, to unbundle the services, whether it's reasonable under Model Rule 1.2C. Um, those may also come up in a lot of these situations, like with the LawZAM, uh, where it's video conferencing. And there's also Dingo is another video conferencing. Yeah, uh, I think I misspoke.
1: LawZAM was the one I meant to say. You're right.
3: Yeah, there's two of them. Um, But that's unbundling if you're talking to the client, delivering services that way. Uh, Is that appropriate to do it online and unbundle? So the same processes you would go through for that analysis, you would go through using these tools.
2: Well, Stephanie, with more and more lawyers joining these services, what is the future of lawyer collaboration within the branded networks?
3: I think lawyers are going to find the branded network that's most effective for their practice and stick with it a lot of these legal tech startups that are branded networks are going to be either acquired by larger companies, or they're going to fade into the background, or they're going to focus on direct-to-consumer and the sort of do-it-yourself legal market that cuts out or doesn't depend on the lawyer at all to deliver those services. I think that's sort of the direction it's going to go. I think that Solos and small firms, in order to survive with the way that e-commerce works and the way that consumers are going online to seek legal services, I really think that in order to be relevant, they're going to have to have an online presence. And the best way to build a brand and an online presence is tapping into the power of these branded networks, because the way that you know search engine optimization works, it's really hard to compete unless you kind of have that. That power, So I think it's going to be something that more and more lawyers are going to have to get part of that conversation around online services. And the only way to do that is really to, to start working with them.
1: Well, I think that's a, a very clear statement of, of the change in the last decade because you're right. In the old days, you used to do SEO and you could get somebody on the first page. And now you have all these, these uh, branded sites that are up there instead. And, and that's just the way SEO does work. So we understand it, but it's tough. I want to let our audience know that, uh, again, the name of her book is How People Search for Lawyers, The Consumer Law Revolution, and you can find that on the ABA, American Bar Association, web store. And I have seen the book, and it is excellent, but I need to take it with me when I go to the beach so that I can read it and annotate it thoroughly, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a great pleasure.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: And that does it for this edition of The Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes.
2: Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon.
1: Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening
0: to The Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes.